Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing a really relevant topic covering these all important questions that many mothers are asking themselves more and more these days. And those questions are Am I drinking too much? And what next if I am? My name is Lucy Good and I'm the founder of Beanstalk Single Mums. We're an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. We offer a blog that covers everything for your single mother journey. We have a single mum only anonymous forum, ebooks and e-courses, as well as exclusive single mum discounts and giveaways. And it can all be found on my website, beanstalkmums.com.au. But right now, for this podcast, I have enormous pleasure in welcoming Victoria Vanstone from Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy. Now, Victoria is a British-born mother of three who lives down the road from me on the Sunshine Coast. And she hasn't had a mummy wine for over two and a half years. She now enjoys sober Sundays rather than hungover Sundays. And her sobriety has led her to a calmer and happier lifestyle and made her a more patient and available parent. Victoria's been writing about her zigzaggy journey to sobriety ever since the day she quit drinking and her site, drunkmummysobermummy.com, provides information to help others that are questioning their relationship with alcohol. And if you head over there, you can read her hilarious blog on being a single, a, a single mum, a sober mum. She's not a single mum. She, uh, <laughs> she got sober in time. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria believes there is a void, um, a place where people, especially women, um, are missing out on getting help with their drinking. Um, and I personally feel she's spot on in saying that there is this place where people get stuck between the pub and an AA meeting. And she herself was stuck there for many years, knowing that her social drinking habit was unhealthy and wanting to stop, but not really knowing how to. Um, now Victoria helps other women reach out for help at her sober social gatherings here on the sunny coast. And when she's not stuck at home changing nappies, crawling around on the floor, picking up rogue pasta spirals <laughs> or crying on her own in the shower, you can find her at her local cafe with a big cup of refreshing peppermint tea. Victoria, I am so excited to have you here to chat to us about this really important topic um, and timely topic as well, I think, with the, um, the pandemic happening. Uh, welcome to the Beanstalk podcast. Thanks, Lucy. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And in fact, this is, and I didn't realise till I was organising this podcast, it's my 75th episode. Um, and I have to say, in my time, several years now of doing the podcast, I have covered off on a lot of important topics to help single mums with their journey. And I mean it quite honestly when I say this is the topic I'm most passionate about. Um, the reason being there is so little support out there to help people who who are questioning their drinking and i absolutely love what you're doing victoria do you find that you are getting lots of women coming forward to you in need of help 
the response to my blog has actually been overwhelming. I'm having people emailing me and coming forward pretty much every day. There's definitely a group of people, especially women in society now, that are missing out on getting help because they don't feel like their drinking problem is perhaps worthy of help. It may be a social drinking pattern. They might be just a weekend binge drinker, but they feel like their drinking is affecting their lives in a negative way. And they feel, but they feel like maybe there isn't, they don't deserve help because it's not extreme enough. Um, and that's a problem. So there's definitely a lot of women that are reaching out to me at the moment, unsure of, of how to help themselves. And, and luckily I can point them in the right direction because I've been through it all already. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes you such a perfect person to help women through this. And I think it's a really good point to start my questions to you with, because as you say, it's that space, isn't it? And it's almost like, um, when you've got kids at school and they're struggling but they haven't got special needs so there's no actual support for them because then yes, you get a bit lost yeah you do you're kind of in that void in between and in your article that you wrote for beanstalk and to anyone listening read victoria's article on beanstalk it's fantastic it's in the health and healing section um, but in that article you referred to being caught in a sort of pinot gris purgatory um, a place between the pub and an aa meeting which is a great play with words but a horrible place to be can you just tell us a bit more about this is it so important to alice's to understand that you don't need to be in rehab to have a problem with alcohol Yes, I think that's partly the problem is that we believe as a society that you have to reach a rock bottom. You have to literally be in the gutter with a bottle of Jack Daniels to be able to be deserving of help. Um, I, I didn't feel like my drinking was that. So therefore, I thought I couldn't reach out. But as it turned out, I could. Um, I was just a party girl turned binge drinker, just like everybody else I knew. And my drinking got absorbed into my friends and into the crowd. And because my drinking was so similar to everybody else I knew, it got missed. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, that's the case with a lot of people. That's where that void exists. It's a space between the pub and an AA meeting where people don't feel brave enough or, or worthy enough, in fact, I think worthy is the important word, to, to deserve help. But the truth is, everybody is deserving of help. That Pinot Gris purgatory is a space in time. But I think the most important thing I've learned from that space is that you can move on from it and you can get out of it. It's not a place where you have to end up forever. It's not a purgatory. It is a place where you can, you can use that as your base and you can move up from there and you can get better and get help no matter how big or small your, your problem feels that it is worthy of help. And I think as well, some people get stuck in that purgatory that we're talking about for many, many years, up to sometimes 20 years. It actually becomes a habit for them and a way of life. Um, and they don't actually see it as it not being right. You get so used to waking up, feeling yeah. over and longing for that next drink that it's become normal. It's extremely normal. I mean, binge drinking in, our, in today's culture is the norm. I mean, being sobriety, you, unfortunately, being a sober person is out of the norm, where in fact, I'm just making a healthy choice for my life and, and my children's life. But it is considered, for some silly reason, just, just our environment, our culture, and everything that we've brought up, been brought up to believe is pushing us to drink. So therefore, as soon as you, you stand, come off that sort of bandwagon, like get off the, the ferry, go, you know, the, the 
The merry-go-round. The merry-go-round. You're kind of looking on as an outsider and you feel like an outsider when you stop drinking. But I think the more people that, that come to understand that not drinking is a healthy choice, then I think we can be a bit more understanding of people and help get people out of that Pinot Gris purgatory and get them, get them healthier. Yeah, definitely. It is so hard in our society of consumerism around alcohol um, to actually feel like you're normal if you don't drink, um, which is just such a massive issue that we have to overcome. But look, you are there shining the light on it, Victoria, which is fantastic. But look, we've talked about the fact that you don't have to be lying in that gutter with the Jack Daniels in hand um, or doing any such thing. Can you just run us through some of the less obvious signs that suggest that our drinking, especially as a mum, has reached an unhealthy level? Yep. Well, for me, I was so used to drinking that my drinking was just part of my life. So I accepted the hangovers and I accepted that if I drank, I was going to be hungover and that was my life. Mm. I couldn't see outside of that bubble. I didn't realize there were any other options. But when I started to, after I had children, then I started to see a few problems. I wanted to continue being me and have this kind of rock star hedonistic lifestyle that I'd had in my mm. you know, teens, 20s and 30s. But as I grew older and as I matured and as I had children, I started to question myself and I started to realize that these two worlds were colliding somewhat and that I couldn't go out and heavily drink at the weekend and then parent the next day. Um, so there were set things kept popping up, questions, lots of questions when I was hungover. I tried to slow down. I tried to stop. I tried to moderate. I tried dry July, all of those things but I could never stop drinking. Everybody around me was drinking, as I said, my family, my friends, everywhere I went, there were people drinking. So I just carried on, I just went with it. Um, and eventually, after a while, those signs that were sort of dripping into my life every Sunday morning became too much to bear. Those questions started to eat me up. And, you know, even though I went out every weekend with good intentions to have stopped drinking at one or two glasses, I always went over the top and ended up, you know, with somebody holding my ponytail with my head in the toilet. Yeah. I could not stop drinking once I started because I was a party girl. I'm a fun person. I love going out for a drink. I was the life and soul, the one who knew the best clubs, had VIP passes. You know, I'm that sort of person. So trying to look outside of that was way too confronting for me. And trying to look at myself as a, sub a sober person was actually impossible. But the questions kept on coming. And with the questions and the, my failing at moderation, which over time I've realized that mo moderation was actually a complete myth for me, um, I started to realize that maybe these two worlds were never ever going to be compatible. Motherhood and drinking and hangovers were so far away in different worlds that there was just no way I could, I could uh, combine the two. So with that, with those questions and with that guilt and shame of knowing I wasn't going to be a, an available parent each Sunday, I, I started to question even more, like, why am I doing this? What, you know, what am I doing? What am I doing being this drunk mother when in fact I should be taking my children to the park? I mean, I was missing out. I started to miss out on my family because drink, I was choosing drinking and going out and partying over my kids. 
which in the end, it just clashed. And there was an explosion, I suppose, in my mind where I just thought, I can't do this anymore. Mm, yeah. And I think it sounds to me as if you're, it was actually not just one big thing that happened for you. It was definitely a journey in time. And I don't, how long would that journey have lasted? Of those first feelings that were coming in of, I can't do this. I don't think I can. This isn't working for me. Right through to when you actually did make that decision to stop. Was that quite a long period of time? It was a very long period of time. I mean, I had my first child at 34. I had never really questioned my drinking until that point. I'd never had any consequences before then. I'd never had a child screaming in the room beyond my hangover. I was just a, a hedonistic party girl with, with no off switch. But then the children came along and there I am, you know, stuck at home with a need, of, a need for release, yet unable to parent the next day. So it was all very confusing for a very long period. I mean, I had my first child at 34 and I didn't really start, stop drinking rather, until I was, you know, approaching 40. So yeah. yeah, it was a very long period of time of questioning six years of me having terrible hangovers, trying to parent, failing, feeling guilt, shame, and everything else that comes with it, which actually ended up in me having severe panic attacks every time I was hungover. And so it's a, it was a very long drawn out period for me to get to where I am now. But to be honest, I had to go through that. There wasn't one particular event. There wasn't one particular night where I overdid it. It was just a combination of all of these nights and all of this anxiety into one, you know, one decision. Mm. And I just, there's a couple of things you've said there that I just want to really pinpoint and just get out to the listeners. And then that is that, you know, it doesn't have to be that you, you just do something ridiculous, like you drink drive or you end up in prison or you end up breaking your leg or something ridiculous like that. You don't have to do something like that to have a warning sign. It can be something. No, I didn't small. have to do anything. No. I mean, because I think people who drink heavily often actually do end up going out doing crazy things. But then yeah. that actually doesn't stop them drinking. But it can often be something that's more heartfelt and comes yep. to you in waves and over a period of time and hopefully what you're doing Victoria which is shining the light on this problem and saying to people it's okay I've been there and what you're feeling is quite normal in this society you didn't really have a choice you've done nothing wrong but there are ways to change yourself it's going to help people make that process that you went through that you say lasted about six years a much a much shorter process so what you're doing is brilliant and then just the other point I wanted to make as well is that you just talked about anxiety there as well and I think anxiety with drinking is something that anxiety comes into your life more and more if you're a heavy drinker and often those signs that you need to stop might not be the way you behave when you're drinking but it's the way you feel after you've been drinking and you mentioned having some panic attacks and things like that and they're red flags aren't they yeah for sure I mean, my panic attacks got worse and worse every time I drank after I had children. I mean, I'd try and almost drink the panic away and I'd try and moderate by having two glasses of wine and then having a glass of water. I mean, I was trying to train myself to be a better drinker, whereas in fact, I was just training myself to get worse anxiety because the more I failed, the worse I felt. And so, and missing out with time on my children, I realized every Sunday morning meant more to me than anything else and that's when the questions popped up and I started to question my own my own habit 
And that's the problem, I think, is that, you know, that six years for me was very, very drawn out because nothing major happened, as you say. I wasn't going out drink driving. I didn't have a car crash. I didn't injure myself. Although I have done all of those things in the past, to be honest with you. (laughs) And I am a digit shorter than most, having uh, blown one of my fingers off with a firework in Thailand on the (laughs) the millennium night. That didn't stop you drinking, did it, Victoria? No, that's that's what I mean. Like all of those things, it's taken until my my later, you know, I say later years, but my, you know, the start of my 40s, for me to look back and go, oh my God, those things were out of control. I was out of control. Um, drinking as a youth and it and it's you know it leaked over into my parenting Mm. um which was a shame and but I had to go through this whole process as I said before you have to go through this to realize that perhaps you have a problem Mm. so so drinking too much doesn't it isn't uh something that is really straightforward and easy to recognize and what confuses matters even more is that we're all different types of drinkers depending on the lifestyle that we lead um so can you just so that people listening can can maybe relate to, to to what they might be with their drinking style can you give us some examples of different drinking styles which might help them to relate um then to identify if they have got a problem Well, I think especially for single mums, um, drinking alone can be a problem. Um, I know a lot of people who who have a social problem, which which gets absorbed by the crowd. But drinking alone, I find um, to be to be it's it's a difficult one to tackle because nobody sees it. So therefore, you can keep it secret for a very, very long time. For me, my drinking was more social. So it was always amongst a big crowd of drinkers. They were all drinking the same and we all felt the same the next day. It was more like my hangovers were secret. Um, The only person that ever saw my my anxiety and shame the next day was my husband, who kind of gave me concerned looks as he handed me paracetamol. But, you know, as a single mum, I can imagine that uh, that alone drinking is is definitely going to be more of a problem. Um, and also becoming a mother um, before before I had children and drank, as I said, there was there was nothing to to be, be a consequence to me. And then I became a mother and I lost part of myself. So from being going out all the time, being this social butterfly, I had to stay at home and do change the nappies and and do all these jobs that I'd never done before. And inside my heart, I felt like I'd lost myself to motherhood. Like where had that party girl gone all of a sudden? It was like a a flick of a switch and there I was. I wasn't that person anymore. I was supposed to be this this stay-at-home mum who knew what she was doing. And actually I didn't, I struggled. I struggled when the baby was crying all day. I didn't like changing nappies, who does? And I hate cleaning, so like I... That's where my confusion came in was that I'm supposed to be good at this and I'm supposed to be thriving, yet I'm not. So therefore, I'm going to lean on wine to get me through. And when I went out at weekends and mother's group nights and things like that, I went extra hard. Like the gap in between me not drinking sort of accentuated my consumption because there was such a long gap. So I'd wait a month, I'd be perfect mummy all week or all for four weeks. I would, you know, have the right wraps and the right juices and the paleo snacks and all of that. And then the weekend would come and it was a chance for me to, to let loose and be me again. I think that's a definite type of drinking that isn't really looked at in our society. It's this mothers who are losing themselves to motherhood. We're putting all of ourselves into that and the children with no training, I mean, I, I would I would have liked a bit more 
bit more training than the antenatal classes and a bit more of a warning to say, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. And that caused me to lean on alcohol. And that's really kind of the people my, my blog and everything is aimed at is those people who, who are sort of trying to escape the mundanity of motherhood and, and, you know, feel that, that alcohol is their, is their sense of you know, liberation. Whereas in fact, it doesn't have to be. It's like you've lost that life so suddenly becoming a mother. Being able to have a wine is, it's just this thread, isn't it, into your old life, the old you that used to be so carefree and have so much fun before the kids came along. Certainly, and I love the way that you're talking about how difficult motherhood is because I make no bones about the fact that I can remember holding my first child in my arm thinking what the hell have I done yeah, yeah. I just don't know what to do I'm not <laughs> ready for this um, and if there's something that's going to turn you towards needing some sort of numbing product such as alcohol it's motherhood when you're not ready for it and for I'm sure it's the easy thing to go to it is, exactly and we feel we deserve it because we are doing this we're doing all these different things and I don't know what you feel about this Victoria but I was just thinking as you were talking that Um, For mums today, our lives are just so crazy busy and we have so many plates to spin. It's madness, really. And we are all doing everything we need to do. We might make ourselves feel bad and feel guilty, but when we get into bed at the end of the day, the kids are happy, they're fed, we've done the work we need to do to make the money, and especially as single mums, this is, where we have everything on our shoulders. So we can drink but we're still very high functioning um and it's actually quite a dangerous disguise for unhealthy drinking because we're getting everything done but in order to do that we're having to drink but also every day on my facebook feed i'm getting memes of you know mummy's time to wine it's socially acceptable for us to lean on wine as to get us through and that is uh, they may i mean that is a problem i mean i was reading a magazine the other day and there was an article in there about a new handbag that you could hide wine in and pour it out into a baby bottle that was kind of one of the 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 you know benefits of this bag was that you could hide your wine in there i was just thinking oh maybe i'm coming from a really smug sort of sober point of view but i just thought god that is not good that is not good for anybody it definitely doesn't sound right to me i have to say it's just encouraging people and again normalizing it and making them think that it is okay but it just isn't for so many so if the mums listening to this chat are thinking to themselves okay um i am probably drinking too much what do you suggest are the next steps they can take to get the support they need well, once you start asking yourself all those questions every time you're hungover, why am I doing this? Why do I feel this anxiety? Why can't I slow down? I think that's the time you need to have a bit of self-reflection and go, is this working? Is my drinking working for me? Is it working for my kids? All those failed attempts in the end will, will have you asking yourself those questions. For me, it, it wasn't anything dramatic. It was me saying, right, I've had enough of this. My rock bottom was literally me saying to myself, I can't do this anymore. I, this is just getting out of hand and it's making me feel mentally unstable. Like these anxiety attacks were making me, making me ill. So it was, it was very, very undramatic. And it was just me and my husband in the kitchen one day. And I just said, look, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I feel like I need someone to step in and take the reins. I need professional help. Um, So actually all I did was reach out. I looked online and 
and I, I looked up uh, a therapy, late, uh, a therapist who lived locally, and I booked myself in, and that was that. Um, for me, getting therapy kind of opened me up to to a life of sobriety. I was able to to look at myself, pick out what I was doing wrong, address some things from the past that I'd never really looked at before. Nothing majorly tra traumatic, just a few little bullying incidents and things like that that had affected the way I was, a people pleaser and a party girl. And I was able to see outside of myself, which which is what therapy does. It allows you to, to learn the tools to understand your, your own actions. Um, and therapy was like me just going and placing everything I knew about myself on the table and saying, here we are, look at this. Can we put this in order so I can understand it? And once I understood it, I was able to move on and, and lead a sober life after that. And I actually quit drinking the, pretty much the day that I, I finished my therapy. Mm. And there will be people listening, I'm sure, who have had all different kinds of therapy and have found that that hasn't worked for them um, because but I think what's important here is that some people do need to go back and find the answers as to why they drink and some people need to go forward and find the tools to help them not to drink and sometimes it's a mixture of both um, and yeah. the other thing that I think is really good to support people is having um, a group of other sober people around you because that is what yeah. is really hard to find and that's where you can help people certainly here on the Sunshine Coast, but I'm sure that there are other groups similar to yours, which people can reach out to across Australia, in fact, across the world, because sobriety, sober curious, is becoming quite popular, isn't it? Yeah, there's some amazing people out there. There's um, Faye Untoxicated in Brisbane who who um, does meetup groups. I have the Sober Social here on, on the sunny coast. Having that support and that Sober Curious community, which it's called, those questions that you're asking yourself when you're hungover means that you are Sober Curious. There is a term for it, and it means you're questioning your sobriety. Um, so yeah, there are there is a lot of help out there. I mean, podcasts, books, Quitlet, they call it. All of these things, all of these tools, even AA, you know, even if you don't feel your drinking is extreme, the people at AA would welcome you with open arms. And I think if anybody out there who is struggling went to an AA meeting, you'd find yourself in every single one of those stories. AA wasn't something I chose to do because I chose therapy, but AA is something people choose to do that does work as well. The 12 steps are, are, are known to be, to be a way of quitting drinking. So it's, it's different for everybody. And whatever you do is right. Right. So if you're reaching out and if you're getting help from an outer source, I don't think you can solve your own problems yourself because you're the one creating them. So I think always, no matter who you are or where you're from or your, what your past is, what your story is, you have to decide yourself and you need somebody else to guide you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the very first step is reaching out. And once you've done that, um, and you might have to reach out a few times to find the right support. And sometimes you need a full toolkit um, of different yeah. kinds of support. But, th but there is, I wish there was more, there is stuff out there. So reaching out is the first step. Now, I've got one more question for you that I'm going to um, ask. Um, I know we're battling with some really bad rain here on the Sunshine Coast at the moment. Yeah. So <laughs> Can you hear it in the back? Yeah. <laughs> might be able to hear it. I've got a tin roof on my house. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about you, Victor. When it rains, it's like the whole world's about to cave in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think we're getting there. But look, it's a really important question, my last one, because I'd like to focus on our kids. Um, and I know that for you, having kids was this massive turning point in your relationship with alcohol. 
So can you just tell us a bit about how our drinking can affect our little ones and how not drinking can make a world of difference to their childhoods? Well, my hope is that my children won't feel the pressures to drink like I did as a child. I mean, I grew up in a, in a fun-filled family who were always at a party. There was always, you know, alcohol in the house. And my children won't grow up around that, which is definitely one thing that's going to be different. Um, and I hope I have a, a legacy to them, which is that I'm going to teach them that drinking isn't necessary. You know, they will be able to make their own decision about it, but I, I don't want them to feel like you have to drink to have fun. I think that is going to be my main message to them. I mean, they will make their own choices, but the pressure that I felt to fit in um, because of all these other issues that I had meant that I lent on drinking to get through and I used it as, as part of my personality. And if I didn't feel like I had a personality on any day, I used it to, to, to like spruce my personality up a bit. I mean, it's a tool for all of those things, all those anxieties. I think what my children will learn from me, I hope, is that drinking doesn't have to be a necessary part of life. And actually, it's much more enjoyable just to be your genuine self and experience interactions like I do now every day, real interactions that I remember that mean something with people who are there with you in the moment. Those moments are worth every hangover, you know, every drink that's ever been pulled down my throat. That being genuine and being yourself and liking yourself enough not to drink is, is really important. And I hope that that will be passed on to my children. That can be my sort of legless legacy to them that, that they won't feel that drinking, it has to be part of their lives. Because whether we like it or not, we are role models to our kids, aren't we? So if we are drinking, they're likely to follow in our footsteps. And if we're not, then hopefully they won't. But having said that, I would just like to point out that to those mums listening in, in who have been drinking for a long time, perhaps throughout their entire kids' childhoods, not to, to worry because even if you stop or cut back drinking now you're still teaching them an important message which is that we can change the things about ourselves that we don't like and it would be really good for our kids to see the transformation between mum who drinks and mum who doesn't so even though some mums haven't got to it quite as early as you did in raising your kids victoria there's still time for them to do that and to teach their kids good lessons at the same time isn't there yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it happened later on in my life. But I think what I haven't really touched on is that sobriety is better. It's better in every single way. And for them to see that and to have a happier mum, no matter whether I shout at them sometimes or if I, you know, if I'm not the perfect mum, all they're seeing is that I, they've got a happier mum, a mum that isn't hiding in the bedroom with anxiety and a terrible hangover, not able to push them on the swing at the park. I'm, I'm there no matter what, I'm available for them. And that's the most important thing. It all comes back to, I know it sounds cheesy and I'm sorry, but it all comes back to the love and them feeling love. And I think when I'm hiding in my bedroom with a hangover, they're not feeling my love. And mm. that's, you know, that's all a child needs really. Exactly. But you have to check in. You have to check in on me in sixteen years. Literally, like <laughs> perhaps if they're yeah. if I'm cool, if they're calling from like a jail cell, or maybe my maybe my maybe my <laughs> philosophy hasn't worked. <laughs> 
I'll dig out this podcast and remind you of it because yes. I've I've got two teenage daughters who are now discovering alcohol. <laughs> yes, yeah, so from from the other end of the spectrum of having kids, I think it gets very hard when your kids are older and they are discovering alcohol. If you're standing there with a drink every night in your hand, it's very difficult to tell them not to drink it's bad for you um so mm. you'll certainly find that easier with your kids um, as they get older victoria i'm sure but look i am looking at the time and we are we are running out unfortunately because like i say i just love this topic and uh, i'm really honored to have the chance to talk to you and share it with our listeners but the, before we we wind up this chat I'd like you just to let our listeners know where they can find you in terms of your blog, your Instagram, your group. And also, Victoria, I know you've got a book that you have written. Uh, It's not yet published. Um, So tell us a little bit about that for the ladies who want some more support around drinking. Yep. So my blog is drunkmummysobermummy.com. And on there, there's loads of resources as to, to sober curiosity. There's articles from other people. I write a blog post on there every week. And there's loads of other stuff, loads of stuff you can interact with on there. I have a Facebook page and a Instagram page, which is at drunkmummysobermummy. And I run a so- sober social network for women on the Sunshine Coast. There's also a, a Facebook page for that, which is the Sober Social for sober curious women if you just put that into facebook you should be able to find it yeah and i finished my book which is amazing i literally started writing um the day that i gave up drinking my brain became alive for the first time it's sort of unpickled and i was the only thing i knew how to do was write so i started writing about two and a half years ago about my sobriety and i haven't really stopped since um what started as a letter became I suppose my memoir, which is from the day that I, I started to question my drinking. It's called A Thousand Wasted Sundays. It's all finished, 70,000 or 80,000 words now, which was a bit of a slog, but I got there in the end. It's funny. You know, I hope people enjoy it, but I'm just trying to get it published at the moment. So I'm on, I'm on the road. So we'll yes, see how that goes. And I think nowadays getting a book published, you have to build up your Instagram feed. And um, yes. We're both in our 40s, Victoria, so we're a bit behind with the (laughs) the social media side of things. I know how to use a gramophone, but not... (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Getting us on this podcast was a struggle, but we got there. (laughs) (laughs) But no, what Victoria does need in order to get the book, which has gone straight into the first person who's seen it wants to publish it, it's going to be an amazing book. But what she does need is followers on Instagram before they can actually put that out there. So anyone who can go on and follow victoria what was it again it was at it's at drunk mummy sober mummy on instagram yeah so i need sober mummy perfect yeah if anyone's out there yeah give me a like i'd really hugely appreciate it i mean i I just it not not for personal not because i want to be a famous writer just because i really believe my book will will help some women Uh, it will help many people to understand that you're worthy of help and you're drinking no matter how big or large your problem seems you are worthy of help. So I hope, I hope it will get published just for that reason. Yeah, definitely. And I know it will help because you're very relatable, certainly to, to, um, to those party drinkers turned mothers. So yes. look, <laughs> thank you for um, sharing where we can find you. You are, you're sharing with us such a personal journey. And by doing that, you're helping others more than I think you actually 
realize and I mean it when I say that you make being sober fun and I never thought I'd put those two words in the same sentence so it's possible it is you you are living proof so thank you so much for coming on to our podcast and for sharing your story with us today thank you Lucy it's so lovely to be on here I really appreciate your kind words Thank you. Um, And to all the single mums listening, if anyone needs proof that life does continue and can be a million times better without alcohol, you have to follow Victoria. Head to her drunkmummysobermummy.com blog, uh, read some of her hilarious stories um, or check out her Instagram, which is also drunkmummysobermummy. And you can follow her bringing up three young kids without wine. I shall say that again, bringing up three young kids without wine. It is possible. In fact, it's better. Um, And if you're facing the struggle of so many and are losing control of your alcohol intake, remember you're not alone. Reach for support. It could be the beginning of a surprisingly wonderful journey to a new sober curious you. And remember, ladies, if you've not visited my website, beanstalkmums.com.au, make sure you do. Not only will you find more podcasts like this, but there's heaps of other wonderful resources for your single mother journey. And you can chat to me anytime on our anonymous single mum forum or the single mum vine Facebook group, which are also reached through the website. And one final point, and I'll ask you to do this as well, Victoria, because I know you've listened to some of my podcasts. Uh, Before we leave you, if this podcast has helped, please take just 30 seconds to rate and review it. The more reviews we can get, the easier these podcasts are to find by other single mums who need support, guidance and companionship on their single mother journeys. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.